Hey, everybody, you're listening to NC Shop Talk, brought to you by NC Carpet Binding. I'm your host, Mal Mayer. If you want to learn from some of the most innovative people in the industry and laugh a ton, then this show is for you. So let's get started. Most people know Mal Mayer as the CEO of NC Carpet Binding and Equipment, but we know him as a friend and a dedicated advocate of the auto upholstery community. Mal has poured his heart and soul into shining a light on jaw-dropping talent in the industry, as well as strengthening relationships between trimmers, shops, suppliers, and manufacturers. Every trimmer that we've spoken to raves about Mal and NC, and it's not just their high-quality machines. What trimmers say really separates NC from the pack is their unparalleled customer service. Let's be real. No other company answers their phones 12 hours a day, provides tech support on the spot, or, as, or is as quick to answer questions and give advice over social media or FaceTime. NC does those things every day. And that's not all. Mal is the man responsible for the annual NC Auto Interior of the Year Award, which is the only industry award judged by a panel of craftsmen. He's transformed his SEMA booth into an annual meetup for trimmers across the world. He launched and hosts this podcast, which is another industry first. He sponsors auto trim classes across the country to help keep knowledge flowing and the industry growing. And of course, he's a proud sponsor of the Hagring community, which has allowed us to continue bringing the latest industry news, features, tutorials, and more to the auto upholstery industry. Mal seemingly does it all. I have no idea where he gets the energy, but I'm excited for the opportunity to flip the mic on him and find out. Welcome, Mal, to NC Shop Talk. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to hire you to do the intros for me because that was... <laughs> I'm like going from brown to red here, blushing a little bit. Thank you for that. That was very, very kind of you, uh, Nadim. Thank you very much. Of course, of course. I'm really excited that you asked me to uh, host an episode of your podcast. I mean, I never expected that. And it's been such an awesome experience listening to all the episodes. I'm, f- I'm excited to just be here and, and be a part of it. No, this is great. You know, I wanted to do something a little different. Um, thought of this a while back. I just didn't feel like the time was right. Uh, just, just to break it up a little bit, have some fun, do something different and flip the script on me, but make no mistake. And the reason you asked me, you said, Hey, should we do you first? I said, yeah, of course we're going to let me go first because you're next. So you better behave because when it's your turn, uh-huh. might not, I might not go so easy on you. No, no, we're going to, we're going to play it really <laughs> cool. We're going to, it'll be a fun episode. It'll I'll be make fun. it easy. Make, yeah. I want you to make it hard. I'm joking, but <laughs> I want you to, I don't want it to be easy. Okay. Well, let's start with something um, out of left field, like right out the gate. I'm going to be honest. Prior to 2016, I never heard of NC Carpet Binding and Equipment. Um, you reached out to the hog ring, introduced yourself. We checked out your machines, loved what you were doing, loved where your head was at. Uh, and we decided to partner up. And since then, you've, you've taken the industry by storm. Now it's, it's, it's really impossible to imagine the auto trim community without NC's machines or its support. So like, really, what happened in 2016 to just make NC pop up on the scene like this with the auto trim community? You know, it's a little bit of old school meets, I guess, today, so to speak, or 2016. Our family's been doing this since 1947. We've sold upholstery machines, textile machines for clothing long before we did carpet machines. So this is not anything foreign to us. And... You know, over the years, I've expanded the business with adding different niche markets, our biggest being aircraft. 
So that was my first foray in the early 2000s. I really put a lot of time into that. Turf, netting, you know, upholstery, furniture, different things. And I saw the auto industry, uh, got some good advice from a couple of people as far as you should really look into this and look into that. You should really check it out. They're active on social media. You know, might be a good thing to do. If you're considering it, you should jump. So I did and started doing some promotion, contacted you guys because, you know, in my research, you guys are the ones I found. And, uh, you know, I just coupled what we know with what I could provide as far as marketing and getting something going and moving. And it was just a perfect marriage. And I don't know if you remember this, but about six or eight months into the sponsorship with you guys, I said, you know what, I think it was Nassim. I had the call the call with, I said, Nassim, I'm getting no traction. I don't think this is going to work. I'm spending money hand over fist between promotion, trade shows, this, that, obviously the hog ring, and I'm getting nowhere. Uh, if it doesn't change soon, I'm going to punt. And it seems Mal, I could totally understand that. We get along so well. I said, the relationship's incredible. And not to digress, but you know, without you guys, you guys are the main industry force, hands down, bar none, by far, that helps trimmers, upholstery guys, auto interior, craftsmen get their work out there, get their knowledge base all in one place where they can you know, show off their work, where they can pick up new things, meet new people, find new vendors. You guys have this platform and it's, you know, kudos to you. You know, I don't want to give away my entire interview when I interview you, but you guys deserve all this credit. Now, going back to the question, our family has this knowledge base. We had a lot of machines that we sold, whether it was to General Motors or a couple others here and there. You know, we had a handful of clients, you know, Chuck down in North Carolina, one of them, he's been a client of ours, you know, since before my time. Uh, Chuck Hanna. So this is not foreign territory, but getting involved, seeing how personable everybody in the auto industry was and is and receptive to, I guess, relationships. I, I fell in love with it. I absolutely fell in love with it. Similar to aircraft, did the same exact thing with those guys, not with social media, but hands-on at trade shows and um, you know, traveling, et cetera. But with the auto community online and at SEMA and different things, and of course, with you guys, your platform has really helped us, you know, blossom the niche. No, we really appreciate we really appreciate those kind words. And obviously, we couldn't do what we do without the support of NC um, and our other sponsors. But NC was really, I think, ahead of the curve when it came to to social media and and reaching out and sponsoring. I mean, we're an industry that's driven uh, largely by sewing machines and. NC is the first and one of the very few sewing machine companies to reach out to us and say, we need to do something. Like we really need to like get to know these trimmers. We need to get to know these shops. Like there is a relationship to be built here. You know, um, I think some of the other uh, competitors in, in the in the machine industry have just sort of treated everyone just as customers. Come buy a machine, and then there was no relationship after that, right? Unless your machine broke and you needed it fixed. Yeah. If yeah. you're going to be committed to just spending money on a sponsorship and or just spending money on providing good machines, you're not going to make it work in this kind of industry. You're just not. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's you have to be all in with it. You have to dedicate time. And this is my least, by far, bar none, no nonsense, no BS. This is my least profitable industry. We have far less profit margins with the auto sector than anybody else just based on the spend that we do 
you know, the helping, the time, et cetera, that, that required this particular industry, you know, requires investment. And, yeah. you know, we've grown it, but we're surely not getting rich from it. But I'm happy to do it. That's what I'm good at is the relationships. Exactly. And, and it, it definitely requires more attention than any other small niche that we have. And, you know, I'm happy to do it. I'm not going to stop, you know, unless you know, things change drastically, you know, hopefully we'll be around for a while. Yeah, I mean, I think that's key, right? The key is those relationships. And it's largely because our industry is driven by family-owned businesses, right? And and we thrive. And a lot of us, our, our whole businesses are built on those relationships, the relationships that we have within our local communities, but also the relationships that we have with our suppliers. I mean, those, I think, are really key in, in, in just strengthening the industry as a whole. And obviously, you're a huge relationship builder. Like, you are, I think... Um, Justin from Circle J said that, you know, you're a hell of a talker. Like you can, you can build relationships, you know? These hands, these hands don't work. So, <laughs> you know, I'm a lovable guy. I'm a hugger. If I meet you more than once and we yeah, get along, yeah. I'm probably hugging you. So those are the things I really like and I really enjoy, you know, yeah. and I think some guys are a little uncomfortable with it, but uh, I, I really don't care. <laughs> so, well, um, you know, like speaking of, you know, relationships and family businesses, uh, I don't know if most people know this, but NC is a family business, right? Like most of our shops. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about the dynamics there? I know it was started by your grandfather or co-founded by your grandfather and another family. Yep. You're good. You got a great memory. Um, my grandfather and my uncle came out of World War II in 1947. And they started doing this with another family member. And the other family member they had issues with. And my grandfather stood up one day and said, that's it. I'm out of here. Joe, you coming with me or are you staying? And my uncle Joe got up right away, followed my grandfather out the door, and they started their own thing. They invented the Rex brand sewing machine long ago, sold the brand, which is still being sold today. And, um, you know, they got they founded the first bobbinless sewing machine in 1959. That kicked off the carpet binding brand NC that everyone knows, NC Carpet Binding. But originally, were founded by Newark Kaplan sewing machine, which still exists today, but it's a pimple compared to the carpet sector. Yeah, that's our biggest. And now you had my father, um, you know, Mel Sr., as well as my cousin, Mark, who's still there, you know, the three of us, you know, still in the business, running the business, same family. Great. So you're three generations in at this point. You said it's four. Four generations. In. I think wow. I count as like the fourth. Yeah. Because Mark came after my dad, then me. So I think it's four altogether. Do you see a fifth generation? Do you, do you see your no. son or daughter taking over the business? No, I would never let it happen. No, <laughs> really? Nope. Nah, let them, okay. you know, no, no, definitely not. I've seen what it's done. You know, I definitely could have achieved different things mm -hmm. versus this. And my father tried to keep me away from it. You know, my dad was really against it. Really? And I was bored to death with the jobs I was getting. You know, it takes a lot to keep me going. I don't like to be bored. You know, don't pay me any more money. Just give mm -hmm. me something to do. Make me feel valuable. Let me contribute. Let me be a big player. Let me learn. Let me, you know, help grow things. I've always been a team guy. You know, I guess it comes from, you know, grandfather's military roots to my dad, to me. Put your head down, go for it. You know, just get it done. And, yeah. you know, just being a little, you know, having to be a small cog in an operation, it just doesn't go, it doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. Um, but I had other things that I would love to have done that I loved. You know, I don't love sewing machines. I couldn't care less about them. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's more, it's the people and and the growth and the marketing and all that. Yeah. So I guess, you know, I'm kind of here 
against the will of my father. So I'll learn yeah. that lesson from my dad. He should have just shut me down and said, no, you know, you're, you're not coming in here. Went to grad school, got another job, hated it. And, you know, eventually looking in the interim, looking for another job, I came in to help them and I just dove head first and that was it. Well, speaking of your father, I mean, we've heard rumors about you and your father and how your your relationship is is somewhat rocky, like Paul Senior and Paul Junior uh, on on American Chopper. Any truth to that? What's 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 what's, what's going on there? Relationships not rocky. We okay. have many rocky moments. We've had, <laughs> yeah, you got a good source there. Uh, we've definitely had the American Chopper thing going on for years. Blow ups, screaming matches. Yeah, for sure. I used to have to hide holes in doors at the shop, you know, <laughs> after he would, you know, tick me off or something. And go, that was always my little, little outlet. But um, yeah, no, we've definitely had the blow ups. That's for sure. And, uh, you know, me and my father are close, obviously. But, yeah. um, you know, working together definitely affects the relationship differently for people. So suffice to say, my kid won't be the next generation. That's for sure. It'll be and somebody you- else. It'll be somebody else's kid. Any advice? I mean, like I said, we're, we're mostly family businesses and, and, you know, at least my brother and I and my dad, you know, we, we disagree on a lot of stuff as well um, in our shop. So any advice that you can offer some people who are running trim shops and, and working with their dad or their brother or their cousins or, or what have you um, on how to like maintain that working relationship while at the same time, like maintain um, a strong and healthy family relationship because they're very different. Yeah. Um, advice? That's t- it's tough because I, if I had any, I would have heated it. And left, but I didn't because, you know, the dynamic was good. You know, I yeah. came in, my dad, my dad came in, he took the level, the company to another level. My cousin, Mark came in, had different ideas for the company, you know, grew it. When I came in, it was my turn. And hopefully I've lived up to that. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to toot my own horn, but you know, whatever it is, it is, you know, I feel like I've done okay. I, of course you could always do better. I'm never satisfied, but you know, as much as me and my dad have fought over the years and had the wars and the screaming matches and, you know, the, the craziness that comes with it, you know, it's never good enough for him. So that's what's made me who I am because it's never good enough for me. And yeah. if you're a businessman or working for someone and you're ever satisfied, I feel bad for you. You know, I'm not looking to insult anybody, but if you're satisfied with everything you do, you should probably do something else. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's, that's, that's like a really healthy way to sort of like interpret it too, right? Like, those rocky moments are just like pushing one another just to do better. Right. Um, so, so maybe they're almost like necessary to the success of the business because if you don't have that sort of tension or that give and take, then then maybe you're just you know lying still and not doing really what you should be doing. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, advice wise, I really don't have any advice other than deal with it. If you're going to be there, make it work one way or another, and. Uh, yeah, there's no advice because I should have heated my own and, and left. <laughs> <laughs> would have been would have been a lot easier. That's all right. Hindsight, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Exactly. No Monday morning, <laughs> no Monday morning quarterbacks here. Let's talk about NC Machines. I, I I don't know how many people realize this, but NC isn't one of those companies that just sells machines. You guys actually design, develop, and manufacture them. You had mentioned earlier that. NC actually invented the first bobbinless carpet binding machine in yes. the 1950s. So what is that process like? If you're not duplicating technology that's already out there, you're actually innovating it. Who's doing that innovating? How, how, do, how do machines go from, say, concepts to, to you know, retail? Like, what, what is that process like? Well, over the years, when we've come out with equipment, we don't have a manufacturing facility in our, in our shop. So mm-hmm. what would we do? We would take prototypes that we'd make up, once the prototypes are made up for the portables, we'd send them out to Japan. 
where we have moldings, castings, all that good stuff. The machines get built there, assembled there since day one with the car- portable carbon binders. So it's in the same place, the same way from the 196, late 1960s, early 70s to this day. Same company, same vendor, same everything. Yeah, I defy any sewing machine manufacturer outside of Seiko to say they do, they do and they don't. Mm-hmm. As far as the table models, the vast majority still made here in the USA. Um, we wish they were all made in the USA, just some machines, case in point, upholstery machines, those we don't make. Now, guys like us in Conso, we are not making upholstery machines at all. We have a hand in it. We're going to cherry pick who we want to use to make them for us, yeah. but we are not making them. No one in the United States makes them. They're all being imported from either China, Taiwan, Germany, um, Japan, um, the Netherlands, and I think that's it. I think that kind of covers most of the countries where the, the headquarters are. So the machines that you do develop, do you have like engineers on staff who sort of come up with these designs and ideas, or do you work with like another firm that helps you come up with these? Like you tell them what nope. they want. Nope, all in-house. We have oh, wow. our chief technician, chief engineer has been with us for a long time. And I would put him up against any song machine technician in the world. There, I don't think there's been a man who's been more inventive, more creative, more involved with an entire line of sewing machines, upholstery machine, turf machine, netting machine, of course, all our carpet machines, which are over the years, dozens of different machines. So mm-hmm. even toolings that he's come up with. So there is no better technician in the world. And thank God we have them. Okay. So speaking of innovations, do you have any cool um, machines in the works? Anything that you can give us a hint about? Anything coming out soon? Yeah, we've kind of leaked a little bit. We have a carpet serger, but... Okay. And we have sold it to one customer who's field testing. We haven't heard from him since. So um, it's not a guy that we're close with. It's, you mm-hmm. know, a customer that we know. He's been a customer for years. It's not someone that, you know, my father's calling on the phone and saying, how's it going? What's going on? You know, no, we just sold him the machine four months ago. And we haven't heard a thing from him since, which is brilliant. But, um, you know, within four or five more months, we'll call on him. We'll ask him what's happening. How's it going? We haven't heard from you. You're the only one that has this machine, whether you know it or not. We told him, but sometimes people don't believe it. You're the only one with this unit. Tell us what's happening. Tell us what the shortcomings are. And then we could try to develop it further. It has a few limitations that our customer base isn't used to. If they can handle those limitations, the benefits are tremendous. So we're going to keep a lid on it, but we do have one machine that we're thinking about bringing to market. We already have 10 or 12 pre-sold, but we're not sure if it once we tell them exactly what it is, if they're going to say, you know, we don't know if, if six will pull back their orders. We don't know. That's interesting because I remember when you came out with the NC Skyver, um, the latest one, we yeah. started seeing it pop up in just random Instagram videos of different shops across the country before it was actually announced that it was coming out. And I think maybe they were perhaps field testing it and seeing how it works and giving you feedback. Um, um, I think... I may have sent the first one to Chris at Bucks. I don't even remember, to be mm. honest. And it's, you know, just a better quality Skyward than we used to carry. And we sell the daylights out of them. And, you know, we even sell them a little bit more than everybody else sells Skyvers for. But they come fully assembled, do the cutout. We provide the vacuum system. We tell you how to maintain it. You know, and at the same time, it's you take the guessing out of it, you know, with, with a Skyver or any other machine. People send out sewing machines with this knockdown stand nonsense. They don't even sew machines yeah. off. They expect you to do it on their own. And these are some of the biggest guys out there. And if you call 
You know, they couldn't care less about you. That's that's not how we operate. Can it be annoying sometimes when certain customers can't help themselves at all? Yes, but you have to deal with the good. You have to take the good with the bad and deal with it. That's it. Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. I've, yeah. I've got a, a funny one that a couple of people have flagged to me for you. So for a guy who's basically surrounded with sewing machines all day long, who is knee deep in the industry, um, who can sell the hell out of any machine, how is it possible that all along the journey, you've never figured out how to sew? How is that possible? <laughs> Where'd you get this one from? <laughs> a few, a few people. Like, okay, so, so Justin from Circle J basically said, you know, Mal's a great guy. I think I have his quote here. He says, "Mal's an amazing guy, a hell of a salesman, but I wouldn't let him touch or work on my machine." He knows because <laughs> Justin and I have become closer over the years. Yeah. Um, as a result of Phil Cato recommending he purchase a machine from us after Phil left the show, and you know, I probably told Justin the story in high school. There, I just told this, I think, on Tracy Weaver's podcast. So I think we're this is already out. But I uh, took home Mac, tried to sew, and I couldn't. Everything was a disaster. One leg was shorter than the other. Stitching was all over the place. And the teacher basically said, you suck. Doesn't, don't your, <laughs> doesn't your family own a sewing machine company? And I just begged her not to fail me. So, yeah, that's yeah. funny. No, that's I'm, not, I'm not good. I'm good with my hands as far as sports, yeah. coordination, things like that. But, you know, sewing and being mechanical, I, you, you don't want me touching anything. No, and I tell the customers hilarious. straight, Mal, can you help me with this? No, but I'll get someone that can. It's yeah, not you've, got, be, you've got some great guys. I mean, we've met them at, at SEMA. It's not going to be me. That's for no. sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to embarrass you if that's okay. At the start of this episode, I like ran through like a list of awesome things that you've contributed to the industry. But there's also a lot of stuff that you do behind the scenes for people that you never mentioned and so that absolutely nobody knows. Um, so for instance, you've given away free machines to trimmers who've lost their shops and fires. Um, you've donated to GoFundMe campaigns for trimmers who've fallen ill and can no longer work. You've always reached out to us to ask if any shops can use assistance after a natural disaster like a hurricane or a flood. Um, I know you're always brainstorming ways to attach your projects to charities, especially for like the military community. I've noticed that's a, that's a thing with you. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, a lot of trimmers have told us that you've like quietly helped them find ways to afford machines um, when they didn't have the money to buy a machine. Like you've sort of done a lot of things in the background just to make it possible for them to have a machine because you know how vital it is to their operation and how it basically helps them put food on the table for their families. Um, so, what drives that? Because it's definitely not from it's definitely not promotion. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like most people would do stuff like that and then just like shout it from the rooftops, but you just uh, don't even talk about it. So, like, wh where where does that come from? Where does that desire to help people come from? My dad and my grandfather, for sure. The stories that I'd heard told about them, I've seen my dad do things like that. You know, like a I don't know. <sighs> hard making me put me on the spot here as far now I'm getting emotional thinking about it but my grandfather would help anybody if someone needed help my uncle did the same thing my uncle Joe Mark's dad and you know say someone was down on their luck and they call him for money and Joe we're in trouble you know but listen take another month call me next month send me something small just you know send me when you can we're not going anywhere. we're not in trouble so if we're not in trouble you if this helps keep you going so we've done things like that, which is really bad business. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it garners, you know, I guess, loyalty, so to speak, not from everybody, because there's a lot of people that are just on the take. Uh, I had 
really like to weed those kind of people out of my life as often as I can. You'll find out uh, fairly quickly who is and who isn't. But um, and my dad, the same thing. You get someone come in the office and he can tell that paying for a $175 repair isn't in the cards for them. And they'll just be like, just take it. You're good to go. You know, we used to have nuns call on him for years. Mel, our sewing machine's not working. Mel, we need a new machine. This one's getting old. And my dad would just give it to him. And um, yeah, so my dad and my grandfather doing that, it's not always about the money. You know, and I wasn't, yeah. you know, feeding you guys a line about not being profitable in this auto sector because, you know, I get hollered at all the time. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? You know, whatever. It is what it is. Yeah. I mean, I got to tell you how incredibly impactful it is. Um, I remember back in, I don't know when it was, maybe 2017, 2018, there was a, uh, a shop, I won't name the shop, but there was a trim shop in Las Vegas that had basically burned down. Um, it was a, a one-man shop, and I know the guy had or uh, has a, a bunch of children, and basically his whole livelihood went up in flames. Yeah. Um, and you had sent him a, a sewing machine. And, and, you know, a lot of people sometimes conflate and see with the hog ring. And so if they want to reach out to you, they reach out to me, right? Because they sometimes think we're like one and the same. Yeah. Um, and and this, this man, he called me on the phone and we were talking about it. Um, and I got to tell you, it was really hard to listen because he was a, a grown man, you know, my father's age on the phone, um, basically crying on the phone to me, telling me how much it meant to him. He thought it was a joke. He thought that his shop remember, burned down. I remember, I remember. Yeah. He said he thought someone would just like call him up and just like play this like horrible prank on him and say we're sending you a machine. He didn't believe it until the machine actually was in his. I hand. could tell on the phone he he was super hesitant to even speak. You know, as I was going in the conversation. Yeah. And I was just give me a shipping address. It doesn't you know it doesn't show up. It doesn't show up, but it'll be there. Trust me. So yeah. No, yeah. that was that was amazing. That was amazing. And oh, uh, thank you, man. You shouldn't yeah, be bringing yeah. all these things up here. I don't, and everyone's in, half these questions. Everyone's <laughs> going to think I'm I'm soft and they can take advantage of us. <laughs> no, you're definitely not a soft dude. So yeah, I'd like to see them try that. Oh, <laughs> uh, thank you for that. Thank you. Of course, of course. Can we take a moment to talk about the NC Auto Interior of the Year Award? Sure. Yeah, I, you know, few things have galvanized the auto trim community. I think like this award, like it's. It's really setting a high bar and driving loads of innovation in the industry because, um, I mean, I have people, you know, as early as January and February start tagging me in photos on Instagram, wanting me to look at their work or sending me pictures of their work. Hey, does this have a shot? Do you think this one, should I submit this one or should I submit that one? You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of people, they start thinking about it early. Um, But I hear you're about to change the format of this uh, annual contest. Yeah, Um, we had you announce it. Yeah, a while ago, I think we did, right? <laughs> I don't think I announced it. I, th- I think we 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 announced um, when you introduced the People's Choice Award for the first time this year. I can't remember. All right, right. I, th- I think you're planning yeah. something even bigger. Can you talk a little bit about how it's going to like progress over the next year? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not going to lie. the The contest has been more frustrating to me than anything else. Forget the winning. If you can't win, it doesn't mean you shouldn't enter it. Why? A lot of reasons. One, you're getting seen by you know the main the mainstream industry. Two, you're getting judged by some of the best in the world. Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. You know. And three, it, it's going to set a benchmark for you going forward. Hey, I entered this contest. 
I probably knew I had no shot at winning it. Or I think I got a shot at winning it. And whatever happens, win it, not win it, you strive to be better the next time. If you're not competing in life, I don't know where I'd be without competing. I mean, I'm 46 years old now. My body's destroyed for Division Three sports glory. I can barely run, but I miss competition on any level. You know, you want to go, you know, if you came over now, the kids have friends come over. I'm out there. We're like, hey, you guys want to, you know, let's do this. Let's play that. You know, we have in-house Olympics, me and the kids doing stuff. And I hand, you know, we hand out little, not gold medals, but we write down who won the gold, who wins the silver, who's the bronze. You know, teach your kids. You're teaching yourself too. You know that life is about competition, and if it's not, you're you're living in the wrong country and for sure the wrong world because competition is key. I've always been competitive. I don't like losing. I don't like setting myself up to lose. But you know, sometimes even when you know you can't win, you got to just go for it. You know, and only having 50, 60, 40 entries that's frustrating. There should be hundreds of entries every time, getting your workout, getting seen, knowing that you need to get better and competing, just compete, you know, have a good time with it. Yeah. I always um, say like worst case scenario, people see your work. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like worst case scenario, you get free publicity out of it. You're posting um, anyway. Yeah. And, and, and who knows how many jobs you might get out of that. So, I mean, yeah. really there's absolutely nothing to lose. Yeah. It's, it's too late anyway. I'm changing the format on it because it's too aggravating. So what's this new format? The new format is going to be pretty sure we talked about it on the podcast, but Dave Voss came up with it and it's going to be guys that are on the voting panel now are going to be competing against each other. We may expand it and include Mm. winners. And at the end of the year, there'll be a big vote and the public's going to vote on basically some of the best trimmers in the world. That's awesome. So basically the the big name elite shops are going to, a lot of elite shops are going to do it. That's you know, cool. yeah, that are, cool. are on the voting panel. We may expand it to, I guess, past winners as well. You know, let the guys kind of cultivate it and figure it out what they want to do. And we'll, you know, we'll come to a consensus and, you know, we'll do it together. But, and yeah. then you, the public is going to vote and just have a good time with it. I'd like to tie it to charity one way or another. So I don't know how cumbersome that'll be, but I'd like to do that because we got to get something good out of it other than just, crowning a king another king because these guys these guys are amazing well it's gonna be we'll figure figure something out we'll figure something out we've we've been part of the um voting panel since since the award started and it's always been tough to pick a winner brutal so so i can't imagine if you're if you're inviting all the uh previous judges to now submit their work it's gonna be i mean we're gonna be splitting hairs on who wins this award crazy i mean you know i mean just to have you know someone like this is one of my favorite guys out there and he's since I've seen his work, Stitchworks from Idaho. Yeah, so amazing this, talent. Yeah, incredible. The first year he lost, he was a runner-up. Yeah. He entered the second year and he won. And yeah. he had two interiors that got votes. And he's a one-man band out there in the middle of nowhere. But I mean, Rick is incredible. And you know, one, while we're on the subject, you know, Rick's Instagram just got hacked this week. He was devastated. He lost all his followers, everything. If oh, you're not wow. following Rick from Stitchworks in Idaho, you're missing out on the you know some of the best work in the country. So everyone, uh, you know, give him a give him a good shout out. He's a good guy, really good guy, stand up guy, and his work is incredible. Exactly. I tell you, the only thing that slows him down is his physical. He's had back issues and all that. Otherwise, you know, I know he'd be in in more places and out there more, but 
this guy, this guy's, you know, super talented trimmer, fabricator, the whole nine designer. He's real good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I can't, I can't wait for this year's award and to see all the, all the entries. It'll be, it'll be pretty amazing. I'm scared to death. <laughs> Beyond scared. Well, let, let's talk, let's talk about another um, crazy off the wall uh, project of yours. And it's this podcast, Shannon from interiors by Shannon uh, wanted me to ask you, you know, 17 episodes in, how is the podcast doing? And, and, you know, more importantly, how can we never talk about NC on the podcast? <laughs> I, I've told, you know, guys like Shannon, who were super considerate, a couple other guys, hey, do you want me to, you know, bring something up with the machines? And I always say no. And then there's someone like Bill from Texas Metal Extensive out there in Houston who just went out of his way to say we can't do without NC machines. And, you know, I yelled at him after I tried to, you know, slow him down during. So, um, you know, Tracy Weaver went out of his way to, you know, to say good things about us, but yeah. I, I don't know. I, just, I don't want it to be a platform for me to sell machines. Ultimately the branding is great and it's a good platform and it's fun for the industry. So I don't want to be the guy out there. Yeah. Buy our machines. You know, anyone can sell you machines. A monkey can sell you a machine. It takes a, you know, a real company to back you up with good customer service. There's nothing worse than getting something and just being on your own on an island, especially if something goes wrong or you don't know what to do. There's a lot of times where I'll tell someone, look, this isn't for you. Send the machine back. I'll give you a full credit. It doesn't yeah. matter what industry, because sometimes people, I just know it. I'm doing it long enough to know this isn't for you. You know, just, just give it up. I'll give your money back while the machine's still new, but you know, sub out your work. It's not for you. So we're just, we throw away business every day, different ways. <laughs> Someone wants a double needle long arm. That's a thousand dollars more than a single. I'll, I'll, you can ask and I'll say, you know, this sounds like you need a single, not a double. You're not doing any French team work. You just want to have a double to do, to do, do it once in a while. No, buy a single. Wow. Thanks, Mal. No one else would do that. So if I had to toot my own horn, it'd be that I throw money out the window <laughs> like an idiot, but. That, that I don't know. I guess those are some of the things that make us different. Yeah, no, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that you don't use it to, to promote your, you know, promote your machines. It's, I think in a, in a sense, it's really smart because people are getting a feel for who you are as a person. And, you know, you want to oh, do, do business with good people, right? You just don't want to just yeah. throw money at like a faceless corporation. So I, I think it's a great way to sort of just like continue building that relationship with people. Um, I tell, you know, I appreciate that. You know, it's just sparked something in my head. I didn't mean to cut you off, but vendors that we hire to do things for us, we like those relationships to be really good. But when they're not, and you don't feel like you can rely on someone, like if, if we have a vendor that doesn't care if we lived or died, sooner than later, I'm cutting them loose. I don't care how much it costs me or if it costs more, we're going to cut them loose. That's it. So... You know, and a lot of times I'll tell vendors, you know, I know we're paying you, but put me to work. Whatever you want me to do or tell me to do or how to make it better, tell me, you know, and, and we'll do it. Because this, if this isn't 100% both ways, you know, it's a waste of time. Mm -hmm. So when your vendor relationships are strong, you'll have a vendor that goes out of the way for you. So I got, I got to tell you, when you told me that you were launching a podcast, I told Nassim and we were both just like... Kind of laughing. We're like, you know, what the hell is he doing? Yeah, what the what the hell is Mel doing? Because you you sometimes call with some of the most like off the wall ideas. I remember, yeah. um, like when you announced the award, we we're like, okay, cool, that sounds cool. But then like you just like went like 
110% into it. And then a podcast. <laughs> and I think at some point last year, you were talking about like organizing a race, like an actual automotive race to raise yeah. money for a charity. I'm still but, upset about that. Yeah. But it's, 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 it's wild because you come up with these ideas that I think most people would look at it and be like, oh, that's this. It just seems like it's a lot to handle. Yeah. Um, and then you, you just knock it out of the park and you just go all in. Are you getting a good response for the, for this for this podcast? Is it doing is it doing well? Is it getting? Oh, lots yeah, of- going back to Shannon's question. Yeah, yeah, you know, as far as okay, here's how the podcasts work. We have in this niche or this genre of podcast, there's over 2,500 podcasts. Mm-hmm. Not all of which are active. I think there was over a thousand something when I first. Uh, so I can't remember. So don't hold me to any of those numbers, but I know it was over 2,500 total with a thousand plus active. I'm fairly certain. But the way it works is some podcasts run weekly, some run once every two weeks, some run, you know, whenever they feel they just, you know, hook themselves up and go. So a lot of podcasts are continuous. If you have a continuous flow, mm-hmm. you'll have continuous listeners and better responses and more, gotcha. um, whatchamacallit, more better rankings. So when we started this thing, we catapulted into the top 100 real quick. Wow. Um, after episode, poor Dave and Phil were the guinea pigs. So they were the first two that started getting us steam. Then when we had Joe and Mandy Martin on, we really started picking up. And at that point, we were doing two a month. So it started getting notoriety, started work moving its way up. Once Shannon's podcast hit, we touched number six in the entire industry in that niche. Wow. Number six, we actually yeah. beat the Tesla podcast one month. That's amazing. It was awesome. It also um, shows you the power of Shannon too. <laughs> yeah, that too. And then yeah. you have you have good partners, guys that promote the podcast. There's guys that that I've interviewed, and and I really don't care who's listening. They've done the minimal, and don't give a damn. And that's it. Okay, no problem. Um, you know, it is what it is. I don't forget. But at the same time, you have guys that put the you know full throttle down, help you promote it. Uh, you know, send texts to their friends, et cetera. And it gets the, you know, viewership up and listening up. So it's a collaborative effort. I surely can't carry a show by myself. I need guys like, I don't know, you know, Chris from Bucks or guys that I mentioned before. I have to have those guys to carry the episode. No one cares what I'm saying. You know, hopefully they do for at least one episode, but you know, these guys are being interviewed for a reason. And, uh, you know, when they help with promotion, it helps the viewership. You know, we need, while we're on the subject, guys, I'm not going to do this forever. And I surely, I'm not doing it anymore two times a month. It, it's basically one time a month now because it's a lot of work, a lot of time. And um, forget to spend. I don't care about that. It's just, it's like a second job. And at different times, I'm doing 10, 15 hours a week just on the podcast. Recorded, editing, especially when we got started, it was more than that. But like this one, we just had... RMD launched actually today. We're launching this in two weeks and then we're doing yours following that. So we're going to have, we're going to go back to the once every two week format for a three episode run. And then I'm going to go back to once a month because it's just too much. Yeah. It's just, but, it's just too much. But it's a, it's, it's a great format. I mean, I don't know what other shops listen to, you know, what other trimmers listen to while they're working, but I know in our shop, it's a lot of NPR, right? So it's a lot of like talk radio yeah. anyway. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's a sort of a great way to like lose yourself in a conversation while you're working. Um, but those conversations rarely have anything to do with our industry. So it's really great to be like, tune this in, new episode drops. I mean, the first time it drops, we just put it on right away. We listen to it while we're working. Um, it's just a really great way to like, you know, 
get to know the different trimmers whose work we admire and whose work we keep looking at on Instagram. Um, I figured the best help that it would be were people picking up new vendors. And that's been huge. They love the whole vendor question. And I get tired of the same questions, but you know, the vendor question has pretty much stuck with everyone that we've interviewed. And some guys don't want to reveal, they'll, they'll dance around it, which is fine. I totally get it. <laughs> yeah. But the vendor question has been big. I mean, look how open a lot of these guys have been with that. They're not afraid. They'll tell you where they get stuff. And you know, that's, that's genuine sharing, genuine caring for other people. And um, you know, you can't, you can't put a price on intentions. We all screw up, but if your intentions are right, more often than not, you know, you'll have an ally ally forever, at least with me. No, that's great. That's great. I do have a a serious topic I want to touch on. Um, so if we change courses just for 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 a minute here, the automotive community um, recently lost a giant in Alex Anderson. Um, everyone knows him as the founder of Alex Who, shop manager at Monster Garage. Um, a leader at West Coast Customs, extensive metalworks, among many other places where he's he's worked and had a really big impact. I know his passing hit you hard, and you wanted to go live on NC Shop Talk when you heard about it to talk about it, um, but ultimately you decided against doing that. Can you um, talk a little bit about what Alex meant to you? Yeah, I mean, I was not anywhere near a best friend of Alex's, but I had met him. I got to be careful here, but I had met him through a business deal and I was about to literally throw the business deal out the window. He came in, he realized there was a, you know, a wrong happening, salvaged it. And it's been, you know, it was the business relationships have been right as rain forever. It wasn't the business owners. It wasn't anything to do with them. Just a bad employee who didn't do what he said he was going to do. And, and Alex fixed it up and me and him stayed friends. We stayed in contact, you know, maybe like talk once a year or, you know, a random message somewhere on social media. But um, I wanted to go on because I really made a mistake, a big mistake that I regret. And I feel guilty over that mistake. And I called you that day and said, I'm going live tonight, get the word out. And I ultimately went back on that, not because I felt any less strong about it. I reached out to some of his closest friends that I found out he was tight with because I really didn't even know. Like for instance, Heath Moore, and you know, I spoke to a couple other guys, and they didn't sound real gung ho about giving me tributes. Said, you got to give me some tributes to Alex because I don't know him well enough to tribute the guy. Yeah, and I told them why I was doing it, and what I felt guilty about was I was set to interview Alex for his podcast. Podcast, it took months to lock him down. If, I guess if you know Alex, he's all over the place, travel, work wise, etc. A uh, lot of fun, happy-go-lucky guy. And um, we had an appointment finally nailed down to record. I wake up the next morning with the sickest feeling in my stomach and realized I completely missed the appointment with him. So I text him, oh my God, I am so sorry. Now, if you know Alex, I guess the way I did, he was probably out having fun somewhere and he probably forgot to go there for the recording because he's all over the place as well. You know, seemingly, you know, one of the busiest guys I know, at least, in, you know, every time we spoke, he's, he's everywhere. And uh, he was like, ah, don't worry about it. No big deal. So um, let me know when you want to record whenever you want. I don't care if it's four in the morning, we'll get it done. No worries, Mal. I'm going to get married after that. I'll come back. We'll do it. So I reached out to him. 
we locked down a day and shortly thereafter he was gone. So we never got to do the interview. So I really, really screwed up. So guys listening, I'm sorry that I, uh, you know, kept you from that, you know, kept that from you, I should say, because that was a big mistake. So, you know, relationally, I know I messed up. I feel horrible about it, but I, I did get, I know like Revo from Stitchcraft lo- adored him and, you know, Revo was really hit hard by it. Um, I got a really nice tribute from Heath Moore. I don't know if you guys are everyone familiar with Heath. A lot of you guys are, you know, he's very big on social media. He's got a lot of followers, does incredible work, but Heath gave me a story. I'm just going to read it. Yeah, go and for it. I'm going to read the story because uh, I really want to, you know, pay a little tribute to, to Alex with this. Here's what he said. A funny story he was proud of is that he told me, let's see, I know I'm messing up the text here. He told me that stuck with me was when he was filming Monster Garage and Jesse couldn't be there for driving scenes. So sometimes they would throw a beanie on Alex and he would pretend he was Jesse and nobody knew it. His favorite one was the diesel trike because you could see his whole body, but the way they filmed it, you couldn't tell. He was Jesse's stunt double. And I guess they always joked about that, laughed about that. That's funny. And, yeah. And uh, I mean, you know, two different body types and, you know, I think height wise too, <laughs> if I recall, but you know, that's, that's good stuff. Like those inside stories you don't get to hear. Yeah. So I thought that, I thought that was, I thought that was a good, a good story. And these guys, I mean, he was loved by so many people. You know, I try to talk to some guys and they're like, I'm not ready to talk about it. And that's when I realized, you know, this isn't the right time or place. Let's just wait a little bit. And, you know, I definitely wanted to talk about it today. And I, I teed that up to Nadim. He didn't come up with it on his own. I called him, but I told him I have to talk about this on the podcast. So, yeah, no, it's tragic. Um, but hopefully in the future, you can do a fuller podcast episode, um, maybe as a tribute to, to Alex or maybe have some of his buddies send in some of those tributes that you were talking about. Maybe we could do something. Yeah. I reached out to like three or four guys. I heard back from, I spoke with one. Heath was great. Replied back, gave me that story. And uh, one guy I spoke to was super nice, but he's like, no, I'm just not ready. And two or three others I never heard back from just, just like, you know what? No one's ready yet. This isn't right. Let me just, doesn't feel right. Let me just, you know, not overstep my bounds. But I wanted to apologize to the community in general for screwing up that, uh, you know, that, that podcast. Cause I definitely messed up. Well, let's, um, let's, let's change the tempo once more and go into something, uh, more upbeat on every episode. You do this thing. I don't know. You should actually brand it. Do you, do you brand it as a rapid fire hot seat questions? Is that like, well, I like, think I've like, heard rapid fire hot seat from like sports shows back in the day. I don't know where <laughs> it's gotta be like an ESPN thing. I feel like you should have some sort of like, um, like promo voice coming in that just said rapid fire hot seat questions, you know, with like sonic booms, and then you can go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> I'm still, I'm, I'm still waiting for someone to sponsor the rapid fire hot seat. I joked around once that General Motors sponsored it, but uh, anyone listening out there, you want to sponsor it? It would be fun, and I wouldn't even charge anything just for the heck of it. Anything substantial, just get your name out there. Let me know. We'll make, <laughs> we'll make some fun out of it, or maybe we'll pick a different company every time. But yeah, anyway. why not? Um, yeah, so who knows? Whatever. For people who don't know, it's basically when the person who you're interviewing, you'll go ahead and just like, you have like 10 or 12 questions or whatever it is, and you'll ask 
the question really quickly and you want a response really quickly, right? So the first thing like pops to your mind. So I figured we'll go ahead and try it with you. I mean, you're always putting everyone in the hot seat. So why not put you in the hot seat, right? You haven't given me anything hard yet. So I hope no. I hope you're going to man up on some of these. Oh man, now you're questioning my manhood. Uh, we'll go ahead and try that. <laughs> <laughs> you guys understand that we've spoken a thousand times. I'm not being fresh with Nadim. He, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. We're, we've become fairly close. <laughs> okay, one. Who's your favorite 80s hair metal band? 80s hair metal band. I'm going to say Poison. Poison? That's a yeah. good choice. I figured you'd form more of a, like a Motley Crue kind of guy. No, Poison, Def Leppard. But Poison, I mean, I would say Poison because I listened to that album 100,000 times as a kid. Nice. I was big on Warrant and, and Bon Jovi as well. And obviously, yeah, but Bon Jovi wasn't, I don't think Bon Jovi is a hair band. I mean, they were like mainstream. They were like one or two tiers. For like a period, maybe. Yeah. They were like yeah. a tier below Madonna as far as being mainstream. So I'll go, <laughs> I'll go Poison. I'll That's go true. Poison. Okay. Poison. That's, that's a good choice. Solid, right. solid, solid choice. Okay. Tell us a conspiracy that you 100% believe is true. A conspiracy that I 100% believe is true. That Russia and China are in collusion to take over the world. Okay, I'm not so sure that's a conspiracy, but uh, <laughs> yeah, well, now, it, now it's coming to fruition. But yeah, okay, yeah. interesting. Um, Mustang or Camaro? Mustang, easy. Just the late air, late '60s, even into the '70s. Mustangs, the Mach ones. I've always liked them. I'm a fastback guy, and you know, I'm not a Mustang lover versus a Chevy lover. I don't play that game. But as far as just like what's your favorite muscle cars, I'm definitely going. You know, fastback Mustangs. Okay, I'm, I'm going to test this. I'm going to give you a bunch of cars to pit against the Mustang then. Okay. Uh, Mustang or Charger? That's hard because I'm like a, the poster boy for the Dukes of Hazard. I was a huge Dukes of Hazzard fan. I actually is, am still in the original Dukes of Hazzard fan club. So, um, <laughs> yeah, my friend Ralph was dialed into all this stuff when we were kids. He goes, I'm signing up for Dukes of Hazzard fan club. I think it was like $12 a year. And uh, they would send you stuff and, you know, in the mail, of course. But I'm still going to go with a Mustang Fastback. And the 69 Charger, before I what? die, I'm going to own one. You know, they're going to have to get a real rickety one because the pricing they're going for. But uh, I will eventually own a uh, 69 Charger. We, I have a 69 Charger. I mean, the team have one. Um, so next time you come down to Philly, we'll let you uh You're not far from me. I'm going to come down and drive it. Just get me yeah. a dirt road. And I, dr I'm a f I drive fast. I so you just buckle up. <laughs> okay. Is it um, a 440? Uh, yeah, it is. Oh, my God. <laughs> Okie dokie. Your car's in a lot of trouble because I'm going to take you up on it one day. All right. Um, Mustang or Pontiac GTO? Mustang fast. Nothing's going to beat the fastback. There was only one. I mean, it, even the, you know, Shelby Eleanor, you know, there's, it's just going to smoke anything you put up against it. So if I'm going to ask you... Mustang or Chevelle, you're still picking the Mustang. 100%, yeah. Mustang or Barracuda? Mustang. All right, Mustang or Corvette? Okay, newer back then. Back then. I'm still taking the Mustang. Damn, okay. He's a, he's yeah. a pony guy. Okay, okay. Yeah. All yeah, right, the, okay. Shelby's, the Shelby's and the Fastbacks, is no comparison for me. Loyal guy. All right. So who would win in a fight between Superman or Batman? Age-old question. Oh, Superman, no-brainer. Okay. And is that because he's an alien, whereas Batman is just human? Is that, is that sort he's of like the best at, He's the best at everything. All right. All right. Who's, be, who's beating him? It's like, you know, trying to, <laughs> I don't know, trying to beat Michael Jordan. And no one's beating him. That's it. Uh, worst part of your job? Worst part of my job. 
I guess not loving sewing machines is probably the worst part. You should try to love what you do. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, I love what I do. But at the core of it, I don't like sewing machines. It does nothing for me. Not a single solitary thing. No excitement. <laughs> no, I'm not technical. I couldn't care yeah. less. Could not care less. Yeah, but but you're but you're a people person. I mean, you're a relationship builder. So that seems yeah. like the the main drive. Yeah, and doing like, doing all the things I do, and yeah, you know that keeps me in check. But at the core, you should love what you do. Even if you're not going to get paid a lot for it, you should love it. Like I probably should have been a coach on some level. I love coaching. I love kids, any age group. I never had more fun doing a job. It wasn't even a job. I, I did it for free, you know, pretty much a couple of times, a bunch of times, but love coaching. I absolutely love it. That's cool. Yeah. I see the videos of you uh, coaching your son in baseball at the batting cages. It's really, it's really heartwarming. Yeah. See, before we became friends, I was doing my daughter and my daughter actually could out hit my son. You couldn't get anything past my daughter. Nothing. Oh, wow. Good luck. That's and then cool. once the kid pitch started, that was it. She was done. Then she was totally losing her focus, didn't want to do it anymore. But I trained her on tennis balls, baseballs, and even small plastic balls. And I would even throw her seeds, which I do with Dylan as well. And when Emma first saw the softball, forget it. It was like a watermelon. She she never missed. <laughs> yeah. All right. So if I was going to ask you what your dream car is, it would be the fastback, right? No, now, now, now we're going another direction. My oh, dream okay. car, as a result of Cannonball Run to the movie, is a Lamborghini. You know, back then it was a Countach. Now it's, you know, st- I would still, I'm still going to stick with the Aventador. Okay. Uh, yeah. So Lamborghini Aventador or a Lamborghini, you know, Lamborghini Countach. Uh, okay. So which upholstery shop would you take your Lamborghini to to get the interior customized? Um, I don't know because I don't like exotic interiors at all. Mm, okay. At all. Like there's not an exotic interior I've ever seen and said, I have to have that. That's a good question. Who would I take for an exotic that could give me the flavor I wanted? They'd have to give me a new school look, but keep the old school integrity. You know, I'd probably have to go with, I don't know. I've seen Dave, you know, Dave Voss tangle with some stuff. Like he'll take an old car and he likes progressive interiors. Yeah. And of course, he could still keep the integrity of anything. But um, I don't know, Dave, Shannon, Bucks, Stitchworks, you know, those guys have always, I've always trended towards their styles. Okay, cool. It's fair enough. Um, sexiest cartoon character of all time. Mm, I don't know. I, I, I throw one at a left field. Car, it has to be a cartoon character. I would go with. I'd go with Jem. Yeah. Remember Jem? Oh, Jem and the holograms. Yeah, yeah. I remember Jem. Yeah, yeah. If not okay. Jem, maybe Josie and the Pussycats. I don't know. That's I'm throwing it out there. I would have been <laughs> Jessica Rabbit would be mine, but you know, Jem no, was pretty cute. That's <laughs> that, that could that could be that's a little scary, a little sketchy there, buddy. <laughs> no, I didn't, I've heard that before. Um, yeah, Jem or Josie and the Pussycats. Okay, what would your wife Michelle say is your most annoying trait? Annoying trait: picking my nails. Picking your nails? Yeah, for sure. Toenails or fingernails? Fingernails. All right, well that's slightly better. Been doing it since I was a kid. Never stopped been trying to grow them out and yeah. they only grow that far 
because I've literally destroyed my nail beds forever. This is growing out. This is probably six weeks without touching them. They won't grow any farther. Yeah. I guess the big question is, why are you trying to grow out your fingernails? Because I look disgusting. As I get older and fatter and grayer, uh-huh. like certain things I can kind of, you know, try to help a little bit. You know, I guess the fingernails, they don't look as disgusting. So I think biotin, I think that's what people take to grow their fingernails out. I could, they're not only going to grow so far. I mean, literally <laughs> I have, if you've, you know, the nail pickers of the world out there are going to know you destroy your, your beds. They'll, they'll, they'll stop eventually. Yeah. A couple more, uh, the favorite interview you've done so far on NC shop talk, like the, the one for you that was like, okay, this is awesome. I have favorites for different reasons. So mm-hmm. there's not one favorite and, uh, I'm really not in the mood to piss off a lot of people. I've been as honest <laughs> as I can with you. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. I can't, I can't just pick one favorite because there's That's fair enough. Yeah. I there's it. ones for different, like I loved certain ones because they were early. I've loved certain ones because the guys were so good at helping others. I've loved ones where, you know, we got so much exposure. I, 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 there are all different reasons for them. And yeah, no, it's, it's hard. Okay. Favorite WWF or WWE wrestler? We were just doing WWE, WWF, Mount Rushmore stuff. My friend, uh, Jeff Tannum, college buddy. Uh-huh. And we've always done stuff like that. I mean, I love doing Mount Rushmore to the point of being annoying with people. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I mean, my favorite wrestler of all time as an 80s kid was obviously Hulk Hogan. Most kids, same thing. Okay. Um, but we did like the most exciting. And over the years, we came up with you know, Mount Rushmore, Undertaker. Great one. Uh, one of the Hardy brothers. I don't know which one. Ultimate uh-huh. Warrior. And I, I, I fought for Jimmy Snuka because he was the first guy jumping off the top rope. I was going to say Jimmy yeah. Superfly. Yeah. He was exciting. He wasn't yeah. great, but he was exciting jumping off the ropes. You know, best personality. My number one by far is Rowdy Roddy Piper. That guy chilled. I like him. Yeah. As a, Rowdy Roddy Piper was great. Good. Didn't matter. Him and Jesse Ventura were my two favorites. I mean, you got to have like, you know, Steve Austin, The Rock. Um, then we did like the heels too. So yeah. throwing out like Bobby, the brain Heenan, iron Sheik. Iron, yes. Iron yeah. Sheik was on the Mount Rushmore. He made he was number to. three. Yeah. He was number three. You know? I like the honky tonk man too. He was one of mine. He was a good heel. You want to know who was better? Who? Million, million dollar man. Ted DiBiase. Uh, million dollar man was great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's play kiss, Mary kill. You okay. Know how to play that game. All right. Love Sh- it. Shannon Walters of interior by Shannon. Phil Cato of Cato's Custom Upholstery or Dave Voss of Customs by Voss? Kiss, marry, or kill? Yeah. God. Well, I'm going to kill Phil. Oh, okay. Because he's won too many better looking contests than me. I can't imagine ever. I I can't imagine saving him under any circumstance because I can't win anything that he's involved with. So Phil's dying. Kiss or married? They're both good-looking guys. I mean, geez, there's splitting hairs here um, <laughs> completely. So <sighs> I used to dig older women growing up all the time. So I'll marry Shannon and I'll kiss Dave. I don't know. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Trying to figure it out. That's you know, that's that's, that's cute. I, I can see it. <laughs> But Phil, um, Phil's definitely Phil's definitely dying. Phil, Phil, Phil's axe. Okay, He's dead. Well, poor guy. Goodbye. Okay. Yeah, I, th- I think I've heard some of your um, in a previous. I think in a previous. Yeah, uh, his podcast, and I complain yeah. about it whenever I get a chance to. <laughs> All 
right. <laughs> one last one. Can you tell us a dad joke? You've got to be full of these things. Dad joke. Yeah. I don't think I have a dad joke. You don't do dad jokes in your house? I don't think so. Okay. You probably you know, do. You just aren't aware that you do it. Just look at your kids and when they roll their eyes, you'll know. I don't know. I can't have any dad jokes that come to mind. I could probably call the kids in here, but I don't know if we're going <laughs> to <laughs> My son may get a little excited and say something he shouldn't. I don't know. No, nah, I don't, I don't um, remember that. Emma, Dylan, get in here. Put you on the spot. Come now. on, hurry up. We're recording. Move. Okay. Hey, baby. Do you have any dad jokes that you can tell the audience? You got to come closer to the mic. Do you have a dad joke? Uh, Just talk in your normal voice. Don't be afraid. You got to get closer to the mic, honey. I don't know. Any dad jokes from school? Um, you're as useful. You're as useful as I am with this. I have nothing. <laughs> absolutely nothing. I don't know. Remember the banana joke I used to tell you as a kid? Oh, why did uh, banana go to the doctor? Because he was he pe- wasn't he wasn't peeling. He wasn't peeling he was so dead. well. Remember that? I said that's a joke I used to tell there the kids. Go. There you go. There's uh, a dad joke. Oh gosh, bro, that's what they didn't <laughs> oh, come wait, up with. Why? Um, what did Saturn say to Mars? Why don't you give me a ring sometime? <laughs> <laughs> or Mars say to Saturn. Mars, Mars say to Saturn. Why don't you give me a ring sometime? Yeah. Now you're bigger. Right, close the close the door, baby. I'm not good with dad jokes. Good job, honey. Oh, well, you made me think of two of them. There you go. There you go. There That's we cool. go. Boom. Okay. Uh, we're done. Rapid fire hot seat questions. Just okay. one last question, and this one yeah. comes from Dave Voss. Um, he wants to know what has been the most rewarding part of getting to know all the trimmers. The most rewarding part. I mean, I think we've talked about this pretty much. I don't want to repeat myself, but just the relationships, the willingness to have their relationships, guys like, you know, hearing some of the things guys have said about me, like Justin is, is great. I mean, thank you, Justin, if you're listening, I appreciate that. And, you know, guys that'll rely on you and just like, thank you up and down for doing something. Whereas there's other industries that they're just it's not the same. This is just a very unique community as far as, I guess, being personable, helpful, appreciative, giving, and everything in between. So helping people and being there, I, I you know, have a saying and I didn't make it up, but I try to, you know, we, I have a couple of friends I've said it to, you know, I'll be there for you when you need me. And, uh, you know, I just, I try to live up to that somehow, some way even with little things, but everyone's got stuff that drives them. So being there when you need, you know, try to be there when you need me, I guess that's the best thing I could say is trying to be there is what was the most rewarding. That's great. I think I speak for a lot of trimmers in the industry when I say, um, thank you, uh, your friendship and all the support NC has shown our industry over the years. You know, it has not gone unnoticed. You and the NC team are a vital part of the community. You know, we love you guys for it. As I said earlier in this in this episode, uh, it's hard to even imagine the auto trim community at this point without you or or NC in it. You know, and we can't see we can't wait to see like what wild ideas you have in the store because you're always coming up with something super <laughs> unique and super interesting. And um, yeah, I know your 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 mind is always working like at 100 miles an hour, and you're coming up with, so, with something like really really interesting. And and I, I just really looking forward to to you know where NC takes this in the in the years to come. It'll be I think really exciting for us all. Oh man, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. You know, nothing's happening without you guys. And there's so much talent out there, just to find different ways to cultivate it and see it 
is is incredible. You know, I love cars, so this that's also a big part of the fun. You know, is just seeing the end result and like, wow, I was, you know, an eighth of a percentage point part of that build. So it's kind of cool. That is really cool. Cool. You think we touched everything? It did, but you it, it was it was too easy. You, know, you put me on the spot once, and I, I really couldn't. I can't burn myself completely. <laughs> but uh, no, you were awesome. You did great, dude. I should have you host. I should take a break so we could do this once a week. It was fun. It was fun. It was a. Uh, it was. I think it was. It was, it was really cool. My first time hosting a podcast. So, uh, dude, you were awesome. I had a first time too, but you're ten times better than I was. No, nah, I appreciate that. No, nah, that was great. Listen, thank you for being willing to do this. Thank you for doing it. You were obviously, you know, my first choice to do it based on your stance in the community, in the industry, and you know, the hog ring is global, and you know, you guys should be giving them support any which way you can. Spread the word, have people become members in the hog ring, let it help others like it helps you. That's the best advice I could give. And if you're a sower on any level and you're not following the hog ring, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. You really need to follow. There's so many things you can pick up and that's it, man. So thank you to you and your brother, Nassim. You guys are, you know, you guys are fantastic. Appreciate that. Yeah. Together, we're going to, we're going to grow this industry. We're going to make upholstery go mainstream where it should be. So we're excited. You you guys are doing a great job so far. Thanks again. Awesome. Thank you. All right, dude. Take care, Mal. All right, buddy. Thanks for listening in today, everybody. If you learned something new and liked what you heard, make sure to subscribe for more NC Shop Talk. Do me a favor and help us grow this sucker. Share this show on your social media feeds and with anyone else who'd love to hear it. Thanks for giving us a listen. And until next time, remember to... Get out there and make it happen.